I'd love to be normal girl Megan Fox. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, oh, my god! Shoot for the moon, land among the stars. <laughs> yeah. Hello, hello. You know, sleep sleepover squad, spooky <laughs> slumber partiers. We're back with another Halloween episode for you all. Yes, this is a movie that I've been really excited to do because I had never seen it before. So it's a big one. This is like one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I'm very appreciative. It's finally getting the respect mm-hmm. and the audience that it deserves. Yes. So today we are doing 2009's Jennifer's Body. So good. We have so much to discuss. I mean, this movie definitely is much deeper than it got credit for back in 2009. So we're super excited to dive in. We also have a very special guest today. We have Claire Parker from Celebrity Memoir Book Club Podcast. Yes, Claire joins us for some commentary on Jennifer's Body. Quick disclaimer, the latter half of the pod is just going to be me and Christina. Claire did have to run, but she does join us at the end for um, our wrap-up, so be sure to keep listening. Yeah, it's a good time for sure. And before we dive in, we have some more reviews to talk about today. Yay! All these reviews were really sweet. Like, you guys mentioned very specific things, Mm -hmm. so it's just really nice to see that it's like – you know, memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we appreciate we got DMs from like almost everybody for this week. So yeah, we can make them extra personal for you. Yes. So first up, we have a review from Canada from Peregrine Tokes. And I must ask, is this a Lord of the Rings reference? I believe that it is. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I believe it's a Pippin reference. So let me know. But thank you so much for your review. It was so lovely. Because you mentioned the Crossroads episode, we had to go with some Britney, of course, and we decided to go with the, I think, very underrated bop, Sometimes. I see this montage as like a rom-com montage where it's kind of like middle of the movie and like the conflict has happened between you and your romantic interest and you're running away. You're afraid of the connection. You just need to like end it for the moment. You go home, you you find like a memento that they gave you or maybe you're like writing in your journal and you realize no, I actually do love this person and I'm willing to put myself out there and like give it a shot and I'm going to do it. Whoa. Powerful. Yes. We hope you listen to Sometimes by Britney Spears and think about this very intense moment. It's it's about taking a chance really, like putting yourself out there, laying it all out on the line. I love that. The next review we have was left by Cuckoo Cascachu. Yes. And we chose It's Not Just Make Believe um, by Carrie Kimmel. Really lovely, light song talking about fairy tales. And you're not too old to believe in fairy tales. You mentioned that you have a lovely family. We did stalk your Instagram. We you did stalk your Instagram. Your daughter is adorable. Your daughter's so cute. Oh my yeah. gosh, the little cutie. I'm like, I want one. But <laughs> we, yeah, so we chose the song. Maybe you're kind of just having a quiet weekend with your 
daughter, you go do a little target run. Mm. Maybe you're just hanging out with her for the day. You're baking and do some sort of craft or something. And you're just enjoying her company, thinking about when you were little and how now you have a little one. So... We hope you enjoy. It's not just make believe. Wow, this is these these reviews are like so wholesome this week, they leading are into our really like wholesome. spooky, scary movie. Yeah. Next up, we have a review from Courtney. Um, you sent us like an amazing DM that really felt like you were describing the beginning of a film. Like you are one hundred percent the main character. Oh yeah. And since you just moved to San Diego and you have. A cool Jeep. Very awesome. Yeah. We decided to go with the song Shut Up and Drive by Rihanna. This song is a freaking banger. I think your Leo Moon will appreciate it greatly. Mm-hmm. I see this as like the beginning of the movie. You've just finished your shift at the bar. You're like, I don't work tomorrow. I have the day off. You get in your Jeep. You're driving through San Diego. Wind in your hair. You are like ready to enjoy your weekend you're ready to enjoy the day ahead of you and just leave all the stress behind Mm -hmm. and go have fun hell yeah and our last review for today was left by jesse you dm'd us told us about your experience how there's a lot going on in your life right now but we chose the song edge of 17 by stevie nicks it is like such a banger and it's so fun Um, So we hope that you can enjoy that. For the song, I'm just picturing, you know, maybe you have like a night off to yourself. Mm. You have some free time. You get to hang out with some friends, some pals. Crack open a bottle of wine. You're feeling good. Yes. Kind of getting to take your moment. Yeah. Have your time to yourself. Yeah. It's like a time to like vent get everything out that you need to really like unburden yourself yeah exactly yeah we hope you enjoy listening to the song today and we're sending so much love to you and your family who we also stalked on instagram too (laughs) you have a beautiful family a beautiful family yeah wow our listeners are so cool i know we truly have the best listeners in the world i I feel think so so grateful for you guys Uh, have to get all mushy before we go into yeah, um, before we talk about Jennifer's body. Yeah. But yeah, if you listener would like a shout out and a movie montage song, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we will shout you out in the next episode. Always feel free to DM us. We love to make them personal. It's so much fun for us. Yes. Um, so yeah, we look forward to it. And you know, as I've said before, we are a little backlogged on the reviews. We're catching up. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't heard yours yet, promise it's it's coming coming. on the way stay tuned well everyone we have a very special guest on the pod today for our third spooktober episode you may have seen her on tiktok you may have seen her on your instagram or twitter Mm -hmm. we have the lovely claire parker from celebrity memoir book club podcast thank you for having me i'm so excited thanks for joining us This is a pretty exciting movie in our Halloween lineup, so Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we only have, like, powerful women on the pod talking about this movie. For sure, for sure. This was – this is my first time watching this movie. Me too! 
Wow. I'm so upset that it's taken me this long to watch it because it's so good. I'm happy that I was able to watch it now that it's been like reclaimed as a good film instead of <laughs> watching it when it first came out because yes. it came out in 2009, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would have been like 17, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that I was able to watch it as an adult who can form her own opinions and also in the context of like it's a good movie because I think back then I would have probably pick me girled it and been like yeah that movie sucks right. girls suck <laughs> but I do think that's I, so wild I knew it all from like the memes do you know what I mean mm-hmm. I was like I I felt very at home with that film oh yeah being on tumblr as like a teen it was everywhere I definitely watched this when I was younger but I immediately loved it because I was like bisexual and I didn't know so I was like wow why is this movie so good <laughs> this is such a great plot yeah, it um I mean it was so horribly marketed. Like there's been a million and one video essays on YouTube that you can watch about oh, yeah. how the studio basically fucked it over because they were like, Oh, Megan Fox is hot. Megan Fox is from Transformers. Let's get all of the teenage boys that love Megan Fox from Transformers to watch this movie by making them think she's gonna take her top off. And obviously, like that's not what this movie is. It's very much written for like a female audience. And then it got absolutely torn apart by critics. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching uh, I was watching an interview with Diablo Cody and Megan Fox that came out like in 2019, so on the 10-year anniversary. And it sounds like the studio didn't even really watch the movie. They kind of had this plan in place and they fought really hard to like actually get the right people in front of it, but they wouldn't listen. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels more akin to like um a mean girls or something like like it reminded me of the heathers like whoever was watching the heathers yeah, their daughters yeah. should have been watching this movie it felt like very heir apparent exactly. to that film to me like a dark high school comedy mm-hmm. horror mm-hmm. but for women yeah and so that should have been the marketing yeah and the writing's so funny yeah it's it's really sharp there i think are a lot of like really uh pullable quotes from this movie for sure it was memeable but before i feel like people were looking to make things memeable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was very much a GIF-based film. Not GIF-based, but it was <laughs> pregnant with GIFs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's a lot of stills that you could point to, like the moment where she's like lighting her tongue on fire or like mm-hmm. different, like the lake scene, like shit like that. That's like so recognizable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, I mean, casting-wise, obviously we have Megan Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, they they met with like a few different actresses um for needy emma stone i think is the only one that's really mentioned but they knew from the jump that they wanted megan fox for jennifer because she had like a sort of old hollywood mystique quality um which i think definitely shines through for sure yeah she's very seductress very vixeny which i feel like works Mm. i guess i mean we have a lot to unpack so should we just jump right in yeah let's do it So opening of the film, we see a young Jennifer Check watching TV in her bed while her best friend Needy spies on her from the window and says, hell is a teenage girl. What an opening line. I love it. Very intense off the bat. Uh, Where do we go next? An uh, an asylum, a mental institution, a jail. I don't really know. (laughs) It looks like it's like a rehabilitation place for people who have done really bad crimes. So Needy is here. 
And she tells us she's not exactly perfect herself, um, but she has her fans and she has all these like letters and stuffed animals and gifts from people who have been um, sending her stuff in this place. And Needy is making a God's eye, which if you've ever been to camp is something that you have probably also made with like twigs and yarn. Um, and the staff member comes in and just tells her that rec time is happening. So she needs to get out there. And she talks about the letters that she's received. Like a lot of people are telling her that she just needs to put her faith in Jesus and pray and accept Christ into her heart. And she's like, I say the words, but nothing ever happens. Nobody comes back. Nobody gets off the cross. And that's like the first like Jesus adjacent or like religious reference we get. Mm. So she talks about how she's a kicker and sh she goes into the cafeteria and she's like sitting in the window and one of the workers comes up and says she needs a more nutritious diet. And she then immediately kicks this woman like field yeah. goal style <laughs> right in the face. And it's clear that she has like superhuman strength because the woman goes flying across the entire cafeteria. Yeah, literally. And like already you're like, okay, something's happening. And she's very sexy in these opening scenes. I feel like that's important that her like lips are super full. I mean, yeah, she is gorgeous in these mm -hmm. in these opening lines. And so they throw her into solitary confinement and she says she wasn't always this cracked, but when the killing started, she began to feel loose around the edges. So when they throw her in solitary confinement, there's actually a speaker that starts to play. I guess this is like a bit of a spoiler, but it plays through the trees by low shoulder which is like an ongoing theme throughout the entire movie. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was super clever. Yeah. And I think Needy even says, I hate this song or yeah. this song sucks or something like that. Um, definitely did not pick up on it the first time. Because mm -hmm. I, I watched this once just to watch it and enjoy it. And then once again to take notes. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. So definitely a lot of stuff that you pick up the more that you watch this movie. Oh, absolutely. It's like everything. There are so many little clues like peppered in throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go to the town of Devil's Kettle and Needy talks about how the town is named after this waterfall with this hole in it that nothing ever comes out of. Like scientists will go and throw shit down there and nothing ever surfaces. And Needy tells us that two months ago, her, her best friend Jennifer and her boyfriend Chip were all completely normal. And we have this kind of flashback scene of Needy watching Jennifer on the cheerleading team, like twirling this flag and um, it talks about how people were always shocked that a babe like Jennifer would be friends with her, but sandbox love never dies. And as she's like staring at her and they're like smiling and waving at each other, this girl behind Needy just taps her on the shoulder and is like, you're totally lesbian. And I was like, that girl, though, looks gay. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that is like <laughs> – I'm like, you're projecting, but... Um, I mean, like, you see with a lot of movies from the 2000s, um, a lot of people talk about, like, oh, my God, there's, like, so much, like, sapphic energy here, or, like, mm -hmm. oh, there's... You can, like, map on... Like, how we talked about in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen about, like, oh, my God, Carla and Lola, like, there's so much chemistry there. Yeah. But I think here it's it's very much in, like, the canon of the movie. It's very much in the script that, Oh, like, yeah, it's very evident. Yeah, that Needy is in love with Jennifer... And I don't know. Do you think that Jennifer's in love with Needy? That's such a good question. I think that in some regard, I don't think she's in love with, I don't think the feelings are reciprocated, but I do think mm -hmm. that she does love Needy. Mm -hmm. um, but her need to feel superior, 
she puts that ahead of her friendship with Needy. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's such an interesting uh, power dynamic between the two. I agree. So after the pep rally, Jennifer comes up to Needy at her locker and she's like, hey, Monistat, what's up, Vagisil? They do their little inside jokes. And then she's like, we're going out tonight. We're going to see Low Shoulder at the carousel. It's a Melody Lane. Yeah, Melody is Lane. the name of the bar. Yeah. I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> but yeah, Jennifer wants to hook up with the lead singer of this band. And Needy's like, I promised my boyfriend Chip that we would hang out tonight. But Jennifer gives her this look and she's like, Needy, cross out. And she's like, okay, what time is the show? Jennifer has her completely wrapped around her finger. Um, and she's like, I'll pick you up at 8.30. My mom has a date with the guy who owns the ham store. <laughs> and Jennifer's like, wear something um, cute. And she just like walks off. Yeah, there's a, there's a running uh, kind of phrase that Jen will say throughout the movie where she says like, boo, cross out needy and like draw an X in the air mm -hmm. when needy does something she doesn't like or she doesn't give her the attention that she wants. Yeah, I guess there's like a lot of kind of like biblical references in yeah. this movie about like a lot of cross imagery, especially. Oh, yeah, there's like a cross by Needy's door later on. Yeah, it's it's such a cool little layer that uh, Diablo Cody has has put in there. Mm -hmm. I really I really liked the even just seeing the visual like X that she'll draw in the air. I thought was really cool. Definitely. So then later that night, uh, Needy is in her room with her boyfriend, Chip, and she's getting dressed for the show. And she's like explaining why she has to go. And she's like, I have to wear something cute. And she says, wearing something cute is something that makes me not look like a loser, but would never upstage Jennifer. And she can't have cleavage because that's Jennifer's thing, which is funny because yeah. Amanda Seyfried has much bigger boobs than yeah. Megan mm -hmm. Fox. This woman's like binding her breasts to like not upset her yeah. <laughs> I mean, if anyone should get boob or cleavage as a thing, it should be needy. Right. Mm -hmm. So she's wearing her outfit. Chip tells her that he can see her front vagina in her jeans by calling it her front butt. God. So needy tells Chip that Jen said that there would be salty, AKA, be AKA beautiful guys there. And he tells her that she's soy sauce, babe. Oh my goodness. He's like the most like white bread American yeah. teen I've ever seen. I don't like Chip. Really? <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I don't really like <laughs> Chip. <laughs> I like the name Chip in this. I think it's very funny. I love all the like, I mean, Nevity is an obvious one, but even Chip, just like the American high school boyfriend, Chip. Yeah. The floppy hair. Oh, yeah. The the good old days of the Bieber hair. Mm -hmm. Oh, also, when Needy is getting dressed to go to the show with Jennifer, she tries on like six different outfits. Mm -hmm. And I know she mentioned, she's like, oh, it's a really specific way that I have to dress um, according to like Jennifer's rules or whatever. But I think maybe a part of her is also like, you know, I want to look good. Like I want Jennifer mm -hmm. to be like impressed with how I look. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, she's looking for approval under the guidelines yeah. that Jennifer has put. And if she does a good job, she'll be rewarded whether it's with affection from Jennifer or just like how she stands in Jennifer's eyes. But I feel like, Pretty much everything Needy does is in seek of approval from Jennifer. Mm -hmm. Do you think Needy actually has feelings for Chip? For Chip? I think that she loves Chip, but she's not in love with Chip. Yeah. Like she has a fondness for him, mm -hmm. but I don't really see – I mean, we'll talk about this later when we talk about their sex scene, but I really don't see 
any sexual chemistry or spark between the two of them. Yeah. You know who he kind of reminds me of? Dean. Oh, from Gilmore Girls? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can I can definitely see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so she goes over and her and Chip kiss for a little bit when suddenly she senses, oh, Jennifer's here. And then 30 seconds later, Jennifer yells for her. So already setting up this like really weird kind of like psychic soul connection between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And Needy's about to go downstairs to meet her when Chip is like, why do you always do what Jennifer tells you? She's like, I don't. We just like all the same things. That's why we're BFFs and shows off her little BFF necklace. And Chip is like, but you guys don't have anything in common. Yeah. So they go downstairs to meet Jennifer and Jennifer is like, I have the whip until 1130 tonight. Oh my gosh. Have you guys been fucking? It smells like Thai food in here. And then um, Niti's like, oh my gosh, no. And they start like playfully pushing each other like friends do. And then Jennifer like body slams her to the door yeah and they like stop pushing each other and they head out to the car but as they're leaving chip is like melody lane is a fucking sleazy bar it's like a dive bar it's super gross and jennifer is like you're just jello because you're not invited and he's like no it's a sleazy bar and she tells him that he's lime green jello and he's like stop stealing my girlfriend Little do you know, sir. <laughs> so they get to Melody Lane and in a voiceover, Needy tells us that Melody Lane is definitely not a club at all. All they have is the jukebox and a nasty sticker toilet. They walk in and immediately people are hitting on Jennifer. She says, I can't wait till I'm old enough to get wasted. A guy named Craig hits on her and Jen immediately rejects him. I think she says like him thinking he's hot enough for her is why he's in like remedial math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was funny. Um, yeah. They see Atmet, the exchange student from India, and Jen wonders if he has a circumcised penis because he's she's always wanted to try a sea cucumber. Yeah, and that's when uh, Roman, aka Chris Pratt, Insane. comes up to them. <laughs> the shock of my life was seeing that man. Yeah. Before we watched this movie, my boyfriend was like, "Oh, I think Chris Pratt is in this when he's still fat." Like in this movie, he does not look good. And then he comes on screen. I'm like, he looks hot, Phil. What are you talking about? Yeah, he does. <laughs> I was surprised. I was like confused about where this was on his weight loss journey. I guess this was the beginning of his attempt to transition into hot guy because he wanted to play like, <laughs> like we won't give you star of a movie, yeah. but we'll give you like douchebag sidekick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll give you aspiring cop hitting on the the underage girl. You can have that for the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, Chris Pratt, aka Roman, comes up to them and takes this cigarette out of Jen's mouth. He's like, you better stop like smoking that or I'll have to arrest you. And she's like, you're not even out of the academy yet. And then grabs his crotch. He's like, don't do that. Not here, at least. She's pretty bold. Oh, she's very bold, for sure. Uh, that's when the band gets on stage and Jennifer starts gushing about how they look so like sophisticated. You can totally tell they're from the city. Roman like says that they look dumb. They're wearing eyeliner, <laughs> and Jennifer just says that uh, she wishes there were more stylish guys in Devil's Kettle. Yeah, I think it's interesting the the way that Roman talks about uh, low shoulder and like what they look like, and the way that Jennifer does. And I think it's very uh, indicative of kind of the difference between the male gaze and the female gaze, and what men think women find attractive. And um, 
for I mean I can't generalize obviously every everyone has different tastes but I feel like a lot of women tend to gravitate towards more artistic sensitive mm-hmm. types of people who are less overtly masculine even if you you are attracted to someone who's more overtly masculine I do think it is interesting that Jennifer who's supposed to be the epitome in the movie of like hotness everyone wants you high femme yeah is like Oh, it's actually this eyeliner wearing uh, band guy that I'm interested in. This actually, it's like a huge bi stereotype of like what type of guy bisexual women like. <laughs> so, yeah, this is very, is very, very ahead of its time. I feel like people were not talking about this in 2009. Yeah, so they go up to low shoulder, and immediately Jen is like, "Hi, I'm Jennifer Check," and. She's like, I've heard of you. You guys play your instruments super good. And Needy's like, excuse me, um, I'm just wondering why you're in Devil's Kettle. And Nikolai, the lead singer, a.k.a. Adam, Adam Brody, Brody oh my God. of the OC fame, <laughs> um, tells them that it's important to them to connect with their fans that live in shitty areas too. And then Jen's like, oh, can I get you a drink? And he's like, what are we drinking? And she says that the bar makes this great 9-11 tribute shooter. They just have to drink it really fast. Otherwise, it turns brown. And she goes to get these drinks. Meanwhile, Needy goes over to a pinball machine. And she just starts playing a game of pinball. I was kind of taken aback by this scene um, because we see this kind of other side to Jennifer where she's a bit more like flustered and... Yeah, I was surprised too. Yeah, not quite as confident. And I really liked seeing that layer in because Mm -hmm. just going into the movie with whatever preconceived notions I had for it, I wasn't really expecting to see this kind of more blatantly insecure side of Jennifer. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. I think they did a good job of being like, she may be queen of high school, but when you're in high school, mm-hmm. somebody who's like 23, 24 does seem so old. Somebody from a, oh, yeah. from like the local metropolis does seem so cool. And I feel like they were good at showing that dichotomy. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Nikolai goes over to one of his bandmates and he's like, that's the one. The bandmate asks Nick if he's talking about needy. And he says, no, the state fair butter princess. Dirk, the bandmate, isn't convinced that she's a virgin. But Nick says he grew up in a town like this. She's deaf a virgin. He's really rude. He calls her basically a tease. Mm -hmm. Needy goes back over to them and says that's her best friend and she is a virgin, which beats sleeping with creeps like them. Poor needy thinks she's helping her friend. (laughs) (laughs) Needy then goes over to Jen, who's carrying the 9-11 shooters, and tells her that the guys are rank. But Jen is convinced Nick wants her. She says... Only because they think she's a virgin. And Jen says she's not even a backdoor virgin thanks to Roman. Oh, yeah. She talks about how she had to like – she's like, I couldn't even go to Six Flags the next day. I had to sit on a bag yeah. of frozen peas or something like that. Yeah. So Low Shoulder gets up on stage. They start playing their like song. It's, again, the most like 2009 indie band song I've ever heard. Yeah. yeah. Jen is like fully locked in on them. As the band is playing, she grabs hold of – needy's hand and they start holding hands and like smiling at each other you get this like shot of needy just kind of like slow motion watching jen really setting up that there are some feelings there um like romantic feelings from needy towards jen oh yeah and once needy sees that jen is just staring at nikolai her smile fades and she lets go of her hand then behind the band (sighs) like where all the amps are 
one of them starts to like spark and catches on fire and we see the fire kind of like travel up this wooden panel and needy just kind of like watches the whole thing happen i'm like you're not gonna you're not gonna say anything to anyone about this fire that is very quickly spreading mm-hmm. through the bar but it does basically the ho- the whole bar goes up in flames and everyone starts screaming and running there's this woman who's getting like literally trampled and Needy pulls Jennifer into the bathroom so that they can escape through the window. And we see a bunch of people leaving the bar, like, fully caught on fire. And Jennifer is just kind of, like, catatonic, super unresponsive. It's pretty crazy to think that literally, like, the bar is on fire. Like, the bar burnt down. Mm-hmm. People passed away. Um, People were, like, trampled. People burned to death. Like, it was a seriously traumatic event. Yeah. And it seems to just, like, Needy tells us, you know, everyone's sad. Like, people are dying. Like, it's really awful. But even though she knows that internally, she's so fixated on Jennifer still. Mm -hmm. Like, she's just like, what's going on with Jennifer? Like, when they leave the bar, she's not like, oh, my God. Like, this is so insane. She's like, Jennifer, are you okay? Yeah, it's – I was also thinking about how the way that the the fire kind of starts and how Needy follows its trail and watches it. And, like, she doesn't say anything, which is crazy, but – Do you think she really noticed it or do you think it's just the camera angle? I think it's because they talk about – they kind of layer in how Needy will, like, see things that aren't there. Mm. So I wonder if she thought that she was having, like – like a vision and didn't think it was real. Interesting. And I feel like this is kind of like a precursor to that because we'll see later on where she'll kind of like hallucinate and see things. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if she thought she was hallucinating because what kind of breaks her and everyone out of it into seeing what's actually going on is when one of the American flags catches on fire and falls on a table. And that's when people really start to notice. And I thought it was really interesting how Needy is like fixated on this thing while Jennifer is fully fixated on Nikolai. And even as people are running around and screaming, Jennifer is just standing there staring up at the stage. Yeah. I think that's exactly like the whole demonic band thing. Like I think the band was already Mm -hmm. cursed or something before. Yeah. I don't don't think this is the first um, ritual. I mean, well, Spoiler alert, but I don't think that Damn what it. happens is the first vitri- <laughs> the first ritual that they performed. Some Vendi Vikinis out here. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> a deep cut. If you're a Pen15 fan, yeah. you know what's up. <laughs> if you know, you know. So Nick, again, Adam Brody wearing eyeliner, um, or Nikolai rather, walks over and is drinking a like a cocktail or something. He's drinking like dark liquor yeah. and he's like, oh my God, like so crazy in there. Hey, why don't we get to a safer place right now? I think we need to go to a familiar place. And that's my van. <laughs> and Jennifer's like, oh yeah, like let's go. She wants to go to the van, but she is still like unresponsive. Mm-hmm. But she's like, yeah, let's go to this van. And he also offers her a drink and Needy is like, no, like we're not going in this stranger's van. We have the car. Let's just drive back to my house. And Jennifer is like, just shut up, Needy. So Needy is left as Jennifer boards the van and they close the doors. And Needy thinks about how she knew something awful would happen and just watches this van with the blacked out windows roll away. I was gonna, I was curious about this because like in this scene, it 
I immediately was like, oh, there's like dark magic at play. I could just tell, yeah. by the way, that the band continued to pe- play pe- like very calm while the rest of yeah. the building was on fire, that something was up. And then when he came and had her drink that drink and then she just went into the van, I was like, what is happening here? Totally. I thought for a second that maybe like he was Satan because of the way she was staring at him mm-hmm. and going mm-hmm. with him to the van. She was like, yeah, Nidia, I want to go see his van. Let's go. And she was like so locked in. I was like, is he Satan? Kind of. He, he wishes. <laughs> yeah. So Needy gets home and she calls Chip and she tells him that Jennifer's gone. She ran off with a band and Melody Lane burnt down. He asks if she's a, he asks if she's okay and she tells him about the scene and people trying to get out and people getting trampled and hearing their bones break. Oof. Yeah, it was awful. She tells him that Jen went off with a band in their van with blacked out windows, but Chip doesn't care. He tells her people just burned to death. Yeah, that's when somebody rings Needy's doorbell and she's super freaked out because she's home alone. So Chip stays on the line with her while she goes to investigate. Never go investigate. That's what I always say. <laughs> Never go investigate. I was watching like the movie Prom Night last night and all these people are just going to like investigate sounds that they hear. Could never be me. And I truly don't understand. No, I would be gone. You wouldn't even know. <laughs> but um, so she goes downstairs, opens the door. There's nobody there. But we see behind her like some shadows are moving and she tells Chip that it's probably nothing and they hang up. But she hears more noises and goes to investigate once more. She opens the basement door, but there's nothing in there until she hears something in the kitchen. So she goes over. It's just water dripping from the faucet. So she shuts off the tap and turns around to see Jennifer standing there just like covered in blood. Yeah, not looking too hot. Needy's like, what happened, Jennifer? And she just starts to creepily crack a smile. Her teeth are covered in blood. Um, and she turns away and opens the fridge, immediately grabs a whole rotisserie chicken. Needy's like, my mom got that from Boston Market. I'm not really supposed to. <laughs> and Jennifer just like roars in her face and devours this cold chicken. And then she starts gagging. And just pukes up yeah. this like black spiky bile all over the floor of the kitchen. And Needy is like trying to just like communicate with Jennifer, but she's not really aware. She seems like super animalistic and she just keeps giggling. Needy tries to get her cell phone and call Chip again, but Jen slams her against the wall and she asks her if she's scared and Needy like nods her head. It's very sexually charged. Yeah. And then Jen like bends her head to Needy's neck. It looks like she's about to like bite her or something, but she kind of just like softly kisses her neck and then pushes her to the ground and leaves. I wasn't. Sh- I thought at first that she was like slightly biting the neck, like she was giving it a little taste and then changing her mind. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, it's very like it could be romantic, it could be violent. I mm-hmm. felt when I watched it. Yeah, it's a very fine line uh, throughout this movie. <laughs> the next day, we're in biology class. The girls are gossiping in class about how Needy and Jen were at Melody Lane and how Needy has PTSD. Everybody's talking about obviously like the tragedy. Needy sits at her desk, unresponsive, and has flashbacks about Jen and herself in a sandbox as kids. Jen says hi to Needy and is super confused by how Jen is acting all normal. Jen says it's just like her to overreact. And Needy is like, what? People died. (laughs) And Jen's response is anybody that we know. (laughs) And doesn't Needy go, we know everybody. (laughs) It's like a small town. And the whole whole town is in mourning. It was Mm -hmm. like the one of four establishments burned down. Yeah. 
Jen says it sucks to be them and is just being snappy towards Needy. Yeah, so Needy kind of remembers the events of last night, how she spent the whole night cleaning up Jen's vomit. And she shows Jen her nails, which are like all fucked up and black from the bile. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer's like, oh, you need to go get a mani and get your shit fixed. And that's when the teacher, a.k.a. J.K. Simmons, walks in and says that it's a dark day in Devil's Kettle and they lost a lot of people last night. And that's when we see a jock in the front start crying and J.K. Simmons gives him a tissue. Yeah, it's pretty jarring to see the way that uh, Jennifer is acting compared to, I mean, everybody else, but especially Needy. And she walks in looking like vibrant, amazing, like glowing skin, shiny hair, everything. And it's weird to – because we don't really get to see that much of Jennifer before Mm -hmm. she's transformed. But I don't get the sense that she was as mean as she is when she's a demon. I agree. It seemed like she had still like a sense of – I mean, when she comes up to Needy at the locker – She's pretty nice to her. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I really want to hang out with you, da, da, da. And she also waves to Needy at the pep rally, which I think if she was like the queen bee mean girl, she wouldn't do. And she's not like nice to Chip. It just – it reads more to me like, oh, she, they're, she's just ribbing him. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like it's a different sort of detachment and malice that we see, which really you know signifies that she – has become a demon. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, and it's especially when we see like the way she acts with Nikolai when she's more of like a giggly schoolgirl <laughs> and we see that vulnerability, mm-hmm. I think there's more of that to her pre ritual. Yeah, for sure. So in the hallway, people are just crying, really depressed, and Chip comes up to Needy and tells him that um, he tells her that everything is canceled today. And Needy tells Chip what happened with Jennifer last night. And he's like, you know, she probably just inhaled a lot of smoke. You should go to uh, the school psychologist. But Needy doesn't want to. And then Colin comes up to Needy and just tells her that he's glad that she didn't pass away in the fire. He's like the resident hot punk goth guy. And Chip is surprised that they even know each other, but she says they have a creative nonfiction class together. And he's a really good writer. So Chip is like, oh, I can be emotional too and write and just not so obvious about it. Okay, Chip. So so Jen goes up to the football player Jonas. Like we, it's like a pan shot of Jonas just mm-hmm. standing alone in the football like field morning. And so Jen goes up to this football player Jonas and says she's so sorry about the loss of his best friend Craig. Jen's like, I was there last night and I was probably one of the last people to talk to him. And he looks at her and she goes, like, ever? <laughs> and he said... And she's like, he said that he always thought that you and I, Jonas and Jennifer, would make a totally banging couple. And he's like, he said that? He said totally banging? And so she puts Jonas's hand on her heart and says she thinks it's broken. Oh, my God. He says his, too. And she asks him to come with her for a while. It's what Craig would have wanted. And she takes him to the woods. Oh, Lord. I think one of the funniest and best written parts of this movie is how not one man in this entire film ever questions that Jennifer would hook up with him. No, they're like, absolutely, this feels correct. And it gets more and more preposterous who she would be hooking up with. And they're just like, of course. Yeah. I'd always had a chance with this hot girl (laughs) that has never once been nice to me. There are no ulterior motives here whatsoever. It's fine. So Jennifer takes Jonas into the woods. They are like making out and a bunch of woodland creatures come around to watch. And he's like, "Uh, what's up with this? And she says that they're waiting. 
So she takes her top off, like rips his jersey open. Philly starts giving him a hand job. And then she's like, do you miss Craig? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mid hand job. And he's like, yeah, of course. And she tells him that he's going to see his buddy real soon and throws him against this tree. And we see her like a demon teeth just like pop out. It looks like her jaw is about to split in half and she attacks him. I was just wondering if you have any thoughts about the woodland creatures surrounding oh yeah um jonas and jennifer in the woods because i thought that was a really interesting touch to have the creatures literally like yeah yeah the animals could sense that um jennifer was like a vulture and i'm like bunnies don't even eat like rabbits don't they're vegetarians i thought yeah i'm pretty sure that rabbits are vegetarian but yeah it's uh it was cool to see nature um reacting to like this succubus in mm-hmm. their midst um yeah i thought that was a really cool cool touch agreed and when jennifer's like they're waiting i was like ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah meanwhile needy is making a gross bologna sandwich in her kitchen and here's low shoulder having an interview on the radio and everyone's just lauding them as heroes because i guess some people claim that they helped during the fire even though they just drove away yeah. yeah. So J.K. Simmons is in his car and he hears Jonas screaming and he thinks it's a kid's crying out of grief and suddenly it stops. And next we see J.K. Simmons walking into the forest and just seeing what's left of Jonas's body. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back at Needy's house, her mom comes into the kitchen, Amy Sedaris in like a very tiny little cameo and uh, says that she had a night terror again in her dream. She saw Needy, like people were trying to nail her to a tree. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but I stopped them. And Needy's like, well, I can take care of myself. And her mom is like, yeah, but one of these days you're going to need me and I'm not going to be here. Yes. Cut back to the woods. Really sad scene. They're just wheeling Jonas' body away. His mom is sobbing. And the cops tell her that they're going to find the man who did this. And the football coach just screams out about how um, he'll nail the killer's ball sack to his door. And we see... The famous shot of Jennifer swimming in the lake naked. Um, and she gets out onto the dock and gets dressed again. So Jen calls Needy and tells her that she feels scrumptious. Needy tells her that she feels depressed about the fire. Jen tells her life's too short. Just get over it. She says she's having the best day since Jesus invented the calendar. Needy's like, he didn't invite, invent the calendar. At the same time, Needy gets a call from Chip and he asks her to meet him at McCullum Park. Needy tells Jen she has to go. Yeah, that's. I think that's also when we see her like light her tongue on yeah. fire. I think isn't that scene? Yeah, and it just like heals immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see her like really exploring her new body. Mm-hmm. So Needy goes to meet up with Chip in the park, and he basically tells her about what happened because Jonas is his neighbor, I believe. Yeah, and there's cops everywhere, and Needy is like, "There's no way this is a coincidence. Like the fire." Now there's a cannibal in our town. Something's going on. But Chip is like, you know what? It's fine. The worst is over. It couldn't possibly get any worse. Yeah. So back at school, Needy just tells us how everyone was really depressed at this point. Or rather numb. Almost everyone except Jennifer. Another classic look. She has her heart hoodie on and like the heart earrings. And um, to the rest of the world, their town was famous because everyone had a huge tragedy boner for Devil's Kettle. And everyone is like singing the low shoulder song through the trees. And we see the school memorial for Jonas. 
And Needy says, slowly people were healing and they had faith, but they were idiots to have faith. So it's the one month anniversary of the tragedy at Melody Lane. And their teacher says that Low Shoulder has offered to extend a hand to their town. They offered to ha- have their song through the trees as a benefit song. <laughs> and it's like, they're going to give 3% of the profits, I think. And, yeah. and Needy's like, what the fuck kind of profit percentage is that? Yeah. Uh, Needy tells Chastity that Low Shoulder didn't help anyone that night. And they're posing as heroes. She says that they used them, but Chastity, She's like, they used our town and our tragedy to get famous. And Chastity goes, we need them now more than ever. Oh, my God. The bell rings and Jen talks about how bad that low shoulder song is. Needy points out how tired Jen looks and asks if she's okay. Jen says, no, her skin is breaking out. Her hair is dull and lifeless. It's like she's one of the normal girls. A tragedy. I'd love to be normal girl Megan Fox. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Shoot for the moon, land among the stars. Yeah. So the rest of the pod is going to be just Christina and I per usual. Claire is a busy birthday baby, so she wasn't able to finish the rest of the recording, but we have a lot more great stuff in store for you. Yes. So once Needy and Jen leave their classroom, they're walking down the hallway and Needy asks if Jen is PMSing and she's like, no, PMS isn't real. It was made by men in the media. <laughs> it's just wearing off or something. I think that's a really smart thing to say because I yeah I have heard that like that PMS mm-hmm. isn't real. It's like it was like marketed as, as um like hysteria yeah, or yeah. kind of like marketed as a way to be like like when people are like are you on your period? Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm saying exactly. It's not marketed. It's not a product, but yeah, <laughs> just yeah. a smart thing. The like the the reputation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think. That is a line that also – there are so many lines that Jennifer says that I feel like really kind of subvert the stereotype that she could so easily be put into. Oh, yeah. Because the, like, cheerleader, popular, hot, girly girl, you wouldn't be thinking of talking about how, like, PMSing is, like, a male narrative and anti-feminist, you know? For sure. Yeah, so I, I thought it was cool to see kind of these, like, kind of dropped in almost throwaway lines that – will just subvert your view of Jennifer every once in a while. So that's when goth boy Colin strolls up and is talking to the girls. Jennifer asks to borrow his English homework, but like immediately is able to clock that he only came up to them to try and ask her out. She's like, okay, let's hear the pitch. (sighs) And he says that they've been having a lot of fun lately in class and asks if she wants to go to a midnight showing of Rocky Horror. And she's like, oh, I don't like boxing movies. <laughs> and uh, poor Colin is just like, okay, sorry, like forget about it and walks away. And as he walks away, Needy is like, you know, Colin's actually really nice and I think he's really cool. And this shifts something in Jennifer. It certainly does. And just for the record, if like a cute guy was asking me to see a midnight showing of Rocky Horror, one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies, I would say – when and where? Oh, what time do I meet you? Yeah. Are we wearing costumes? Okay. Very yeah. important. Are we going balls to the wall? What's the sitch? Is it a live version? Are they just playing on the screen? Are the people standing in front of the screen <laughs> singing? Will they be drawing a V on your head if you have never been before? Yes. Have you seen it before? It's a very, very thoughtful date from a 17-year-old. I agree. And this also making me think that we should go see if we can find um, – <gasps> A live Rocky Horror. We probably can. I'll be there like the week leading up to Halloween. Right? There's got to be one. 
I yeah. think so. So Jen decides to turn around. She's like, Colin, wait. Why don't you come to my place? I got Aquamarine on DVD. It's about this girl who's like half sushi. I guess she... <laughs> It's so clever. I guess she has sex through a blowhole or something. I'm like, holy oh my God. shit. You didn't have to go that hard and you did. I was not expecting an aquamarine reference. In this no, film. not at all. I loved it though. The half sushi comment really gets me. Yeah. So, oh wait, this is a perfect caption for your Halloween costume. Oh shit, you're right. I just got Aquaman on DVD. Oh my gosh, <laughs> listeners, you're getting a sneak peek of my Halloween costume. I am dressing up as Aquamarine. I changed my Halloween costume for Saturday. <gasps> oh, did you? What are you What are you dressing up as? I'm dressing up as um, Ariel, like the Little from Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. Yeah. <gasps> Oh my gosh, are you getting a red wig? Yeah, I'm borrowing. So Monica's being, um, uh, what's her name? The She is the red dress and the purple Oh, gloves. Jessica Rabbit? Yes. So she's being Jessica Rabbit on Friday when we're Cheerios. Mm. And I was just like not feeling the Paris Hilton costume. I think I might wear it on Sunday or Thursday if we go out. Mm. But for my party, I wanted something a little more like bam. Yeah. So I'm going to borrow her wig and I just have to do some sort of a bra shell situation and find yeah. a little mermaid tail. So mm-hmm. Oh, I should get I should get a third costume in case we go out again. So, I'll do some thinking. Yeah. We'll brainstorm on this. Um that being said, <laughs> Colin is like, "Yes." And Jennifer's like, "Okay, I'll text you my address." So she turns around and she sees Needy and Chip together and tells them to get a room walks away and then chip makes a comment about colin talking to needy again and needy's like don't worry he actually asked jennifer out chip is like oh come over tonight i just got a new box of condoms from like costco (laughs) oh my god my man's out here fucking throwing (laughs) the condoms around yeah i love i also love the moment when um jennifer turns around after having just said yes to Colin with like a smile on her face, ready to, I guess, talk to Needy about it and how yeah. quickly that fades as soon as she sees that she's with Chip. Yeah. Because like she only said yes to make her mad, spite Needy or to make her jealous or, you know, because this is somebody that Needy likes, not necessarily romantically, but likes. Mm-hmm. Again, so much tension, so much tension. I know. <laughs> So that night we go to Chip's place. Uh, him and Needy are on his bed. He puts out a little air freshener. He's like, mm. oh, yeah, my mom has holiday scents too, if that's better. And Needy's like, it's fine. <laughs> um, and, you know, they start making out. Needy takes off her glasses. They start taking off each other's clothes. Meanwhile, Colin is driving to the address that Jennifer texted him, listening to his pop punk. Certainly. And uh, I think it's a – isn't it a cover of like, I can see clearly now the rain is gone? It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So he pulls up to this abandoned house. He knocks on the door, but there's no answer. He can see like a light on upstairs, but he ends up sneaking around to the window and it's just covered in like the like plastic yeah that you have on windows when you're doing like construction and stuff like this house is being renovated oh really i thought it was abandoned oh i don't know there was just like tools and stuff all over the place like wood so i assume maybe it was 
either abandoned or renovated, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's a – what's it called? When they flip a house. House flipping. flipping. A house. Maybe they're flipping <laughs> the house. Yeah. <laughs> it's, what's it called? The thing that it's literally called. <laughs> um, so he looks around, doesn't find her, but he hears, you know, the beautiful sounds of Akon mm-hmm. coming from upstairs. So he heads on up. Yes. And, you know, Jen kind of made a set the tone for them. Like she's playing music. She has tons of lit candles. Mm. She put a little bit of work in here. Yeah. So Jennifer actually walks into the room and he is like, this isn't your house, is it? And she says it's their house. They can play mommy and daddy. Oh, my God. So (laughs) intense. So she takes off her hoodie and he asks if she even knows his last name. And she says she's been sending him signals all year and that he gives her a wedding. Oh, my God. And they kiss. (laughs) It's like it's so insane. And once again, this guy is like, "Uh uh-huh. This seems right. Nothing suspicious here. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, back at Chip's house, uh, he and Needy are having just silent sex. Um, I think she's like, okay, put it in, and like doesn't even like, flinch. No crickets. change in her face whatsoever. <laughs> she's just like, mm-hmm. So they're having sex, and we go back to Jen and Colin, who are making out when he gets spooked by some like rats that scurry across the ground. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to to calm him down, she takes off his pants. And that's when he notices her eyes, like, change color super suddenly. Um, They're, like, icy white color. Like, it's very freaky. He gets freaked out, obviously, and backs away from her and ends up, like, hitting his hand on a piece of wood or something. And he gets a cut. And she's like, oh, no, like a puncture wound grabs his hand and just starts like breaking his arm yeah very intense he is like down on his knees and she's like i need you frightened it's super intense meanwhile chip and needy are having their uh, silent sex mm-hmm. and needy looks up to the ceiling and sees this blood dripping down and across the room she sees visions of jonas and jennifer and starts gasping out of fear but chip is like oh wow i guess i'm like doing oh, a yeah. good job cool <laughs> then john gets on top of colin back in this abandoned house and says that she needs him hopeless and starts ripping his guts out. And Needy is back in Chip's room and she just repeats like hopeless and can see what's happening with Jen and starts screaming. Chip is like, wow, I'm doing a great job. (laughs) Then she looks over to the chair across the room, but there's nothing there. And I think she also touches her face because she feels it, like it looks like the blood oh, yeah, dripping the down dr- on the her. Blood is dripping, yeah, yeah. And Chip is like, "Oh, am I am I hurting? Is it too big?" <laughs> I can promise you, Chip, it's not. It's not. <laughs> then they finish. Needy is like gasping for breath. I can't remember whose TikTok it was. So if anyone has also seen this and knows who posted it, uh, please let me know. But it was talking. It was kind of doing like an analysis of Jennifer's body. And talking about this scene and how um, 
the the cutting back and forth between Jennifer killing this guy and Needy having sex with Chip and like their soul connection with Needy kind of being able to feel what's going on is like in a way Jennifer and Needy having like this sexual Ooh. violent experience together and I was like oh shit that's a really that good is point. such a cool layer and it's it's like they're having sex through the men that they are engaging with. That's so good. Yeah. And it's also interesting to think about like, oh, there's no good reason why Needy has this sixth sense for Jennifer. Like there's no good Mm -hmm. reason because it happens before they go to the show. So it's nothing to do with like the demonic stuff. Yeah. It's literally just like some sort of an intuition she has with Jennifer. Yeah. It's like, it's like a manifestation of her obsession with Jennifer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, god. This movie is so good. So after after that, we see Jennifer just like drinking blood from Colin's stomach. Man's guts are just Hanging completely out. ripped out, and Needy bolts from Chip's play. She gets in her car, turns on the radio, immediately starts playing Low Shoulder. She shuts it off <laughs> and drives home. And while she's driving, she's like you know very shaken. Yeah, and she sees. Jennifer in front of her car covered in blood. So she swerves to avoid her and stops the car. And that's when Jennifer like jumps on her front window, completely like cracking the whole thing. And Needy like backs up, drives off in a panic. Back at Needy's house, she runs through her house looking for her mom. Her mom isn't there. Clap back to when her mom joins her for breakfast and she's like, I had this horrible dream. Um, and you were like being pinned or pin she doesn't say pinned to a cross. Something is like happening with her. And she's like, mm-hmm. Mom, I could take care of myself. And she's like, You say that now, but one day I won't be there. And to have the actual yeah. moment where she's not there, I thought was really clever. Yeah, yeah. I really liked that too. So Needy ends up like collapsing on her bed crying. Yes. So there's this scene where they're in the sandbox. Needy's having a flashback. It's her and Jennifer in the sandbox. Jennifer gets pricked by attack. And she's like, don't tell my mom or she'll make me get a shot. And Needy's like, I'd never tell on you. And like licks her wound or like kisses her hand. Yeah, she sucks the the bleeding, the, like the blood. She sucks her blood. Yeah, pretty intense. Mm-hmm. We saw two different movies, so we don't know where this was exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We discovered while combining our notes that uh, we saw different versions of this movie because there's a scene that I saw that was not in the version that Mo saw. We'll get to that later. Um, Yeah. In in my version, this this whole like flashback scene in the sandbox happens like in the – kind of in the beginning um, when like after the fire when Needy is in bio and is kind of like dissociating. Mm -hmm. So – I don't know if I saw the director's cut. I don't know what I saw. <laughs> I mean, but. maybe I'll, I'll. I could rewind after we do this, but like, I thought it was when she collapses on the bed in my in my the Criterion version. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The version that I saw, she just has like visions of her watching, like that. We see that same shot of uh, Jennifer and Needy like smiling at each other when she's cheerleading. Yeah, because I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Spooky. (laughs) So after she has this vision, um, she wakes up and goes into her bedroom. Yeah. So she immediately gets into bed. 
turns off the light, and that's when she hears Jennifer say, hi. <laughs> she immediately freaks out. I love this part. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer's in her bed, and Needy is like, get out. And Jennifer's like, come on, Needy. We always share a bed together when we have slumber parties. I won't bite. Oh, my gosh. And, um, you know, she gets up and goes over to Needy and starts playing with her hair. And Needy looks down and is like, is that my evil dead t-shirt? And that's when we get the famous kiss between Needy and Jennifer. She very slowly leans in. And we have that, like, really close-up shot of just their mouths. Yeah. And they they share kind of just, like, one kiss at first and come apart. And Jennifer lies back on the bed and Needy, like, gets on top of her. And they continue to make out. It's, like, very, very sensual. It's very, like, soft. And um, things start to get more and more intense between the two of them. And that's when eventually Needy kind of just, like, comes to and snaps out of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I saw you. And there's like a lot of a lot of people because this scene is what was used to really like market the movie because they were marketing it towards like teenage boys. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh yeah, like two hot girls making out. And I feel like it because it was used in every single TV spot that you would see about this movie, I feel like it got misconstrued as like a fetishization moment of, you know, lesbianism or bisexuality whatever it is yeah and when there's actually like so much leading up to this point exactly and like the buildup was being set up with their friendship like and and then mm-hmm. also um needy backing off and being like wait what the fuck is happening like almost as if mm-hmm. acknowledging the fact that this happens in horror movies for no reason yeah like like why why are we doing this like get let's Get back mm-hmm. to like what's actually going on at hand. Mm-hmm. It's it's super layered, and I mean, this is a huge moment for Needy. Yes, because it's it's been building throughout the whole movie that she's in love with Jennifer and has this kind of obsession for her. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks to the greater intimacy of female friendships, where the lines between like friends, lovers, uh, like rivals, enemies, like competition kind of get really, really blurred yeah. because female friendships are very intense. And there are points throughout this film where Needy and Jennifer are all three, where they are friends, where they're lovers, where they're enemies, and where they're competitors. Mm-hmm. And this really kind of encapsulates the the love and the and the sexuality that exists between the two of them before immediately switching yeah. to the next like role that they play. And I, I thought it was really, really cool. Absolutely. So once, you know, they've broken out of this and Needy is like, what the fuck is happening? Like, Mm -hmm. I saw you. I saw you on the street. And Needy wants to call the police on Jennifer. (laughs) And I really love this moment. It's like very charming from Megan Fox where she's like, okay, are you going to narc me out? Just the way that she said it, I really liked for some reason. But she says that she has the cops in her back pocket because she's fucking a cadet. And... She's like, I just want to explain some things to you because best friends don't keep secrets. And the way that Jennifer always reminds Needy that they're best friends is like a really uh, poignant like manipulation tactic Mm -hmm. that she'll use throughout. But (laughs) she says – she says that, you know, the guys from Low Shoulder are evil and then starts to tell the story of what happened to her. Yes. Back to that night in the van, 
She tells Needy that she noticed a lot of occult shit, and she asked them if they were rapists. And then a band member asks Nikolai if he's sure she's a virgin. And Jen, thinking that that would help her in this situation, is like, oh, I am totally a virgin. I don't even know how to have sex, so you should just find someone else who does. That only fuels their fire. They drive out to Devil's Kettle. Um, Well, they're in Devil's Kettle, but they go to like that fucked up waterfall. The Devil's Waterfall, Yes. And she tries to escape. She tries to like leap out of the van, but Nikolai grabs her. They end up tying her up and gagging her mouth right by this waterfall. And then um, the bassist is like kind of unsure. Nikolai gives him a pep talk. He's like, do you want to be a big loser or do you want to be rich and awesome? Like that guy from Maroon 5. And the bassist is like, oh my God, Maroon 5. Maroon 5, again, so 2009, where, like, Adam Levine yeah. is the the dream that all his musicians are aspiring for. white guy with his little, like, this love is taking a toll on me. <laughs> yeah, I, I was really shocked by how perfectly cast Adam Brody was in this, because it's not a role that I've ever really seen him do. I see him be, like, the neurotic nerdy lovable guy on the oc oh he's nerdy on the oc oh big time yeah i gotta watch it i have to see you it gotta. it's so good um and this is like a huge shift from what i'm used to seeing him in but i thought he was really good he was like very i thought he was really menacing. good yeah he's kind of like sexy yeah his comedic timing was really good too yeah i wish he you know i wish adam brody had the opportunity to do some more leading man roles Mm. um yeah oh my god but the bassist is you know convinced he's trying to be maroon five so he goes to fetch the ritual which is literally like a a one page that they printed out out from (laughs) google.com um nikolai recites that they are here to sacrifice the body of and he's like oh yeah what's your name again jennifer here to sacrifice the body of jennifer from devil's kettle Jennifer, now that she's not gagged anymore, she's begging for her life, like screaming, crying. And Nikolai leans down to her and he's like, I know, I know, but like, do you know how hard it is to make it as an indie band these days? Like, you gotta get on Letterman or you gotta do this. Like, otherwise, you just never, it's never gonna happen. Satan is our only hope. And, you know, (laughs) we're gonna have to kill you. And she's, poor Jennifer, she's like, no, like maybe you can just get a publicist. Like I can be a part of your street team. She get the word that. out. So funny. Yeah. I know. I can be a part of your street team. Get the word out. Yeah. I did not catch it the first time, but on my second watch I did. I was like, holy shit, that is so good. Yeah. So Nikolai says no and pulls on a knife and he's about to stab her. He has it raised and then he's like, hang on a minute. And then he starts <laughs> reciting the lyrics to Jenny 865-309. And they, the whole band starts singing. It's neurotic. Oh, my God. It the, the dark humor that is, like, layered in here, I think is just, like... It's so funny. So good. 
Because then as they're in the midst of singing, he just starts to stab Jen over and over and over again as she screams. Yeah. And I love how in this movie, they do this when um, Needy first sees Jennifer possessed, where it's like Mm -hmm. she hears something, she opens the door to the, um, the basement, and when... She closes the door. You expect there to be a jump scare mm-hmm. behind the door, yeah. but it doesn't happen. And it's kind of like this mm-hmm. where you expect the stab to happen and then they go off and some other thing. Yeah. And then he stabs her while singing the song. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of think when yeah. he stops that he, she's going to get let go or something good might happen. Yeah. Or they'll like settle down before they kill her. Yeah. But it's like – Yeah. Boom, I, boom. I think it's very – the subversion is really effective. Back in Needy's room, Jen says that it should have killed her, but for some reason it didn't. And Needy's like, maybe it did. Mm. Yeah. Because she is not the same. Jennifer continues her story and tells her that Nikolai tosses the knife into the falls. And Jennifer says she doesn't remember what happened after that, but she woke up and found her way back to Needy. And she says she couldn't bring herself to hurt her, but she was so hungry. So when she left Needy's place and was walking down the road, she ended up seeing Ahmet and it turns out, you know, he made it out of the fire. He was lost. And we see this in this flashback, Jennifer asking him if his host family knows he's alive and he shakes his head. And she's like, you know, do you... She asked if someone else knows if he's alive, and she's like... She's like, does anyone yeah. know you're alive? Does anyone know you're alive? And he just shakes his head, and she's like, we're going to sort this thing out. Come here, and brings him into the woods. Yeah. So Jennifer says that when she's full, like she is now, she's unkillable. Mm-hmm. She feels amazing. And she then, like, stabs her arm and, like, gives herself a huge gash and shows Needy how it will, like, heal immediately. Yeah. And Needy's like, what do you mean by full? And, like, why were you covered in blood? And, like, why did you jump on my mom's car? And Jennifer is like, you know, Needy, you should really talk to somebody about all these disturbing thoughts you've been having. I know that Chip is especially concerned. <laughs> so Needy then tells Jennifer to leave. She's done. And Jennifer asks if she can stay the night and they can play boyfriend-girlfriend like they used to. There's a lot going on here. So, yeah, definitely there is a sexual history there. And when Needy says nothing, Jennifer just puts on her sweats and hops out the window and leaves. So the next scene is yet another scene that I saw in my version (laughs) but is not on the Criterion version. So weird. Criterion, come on. <laughs> so if anyone has like seen this scene or if it's a deleted scene or I I don't know what's up, let us know. But it's Colin's funeral. You know, we're at the burial site and the pastor is giving a speech about, you know, his passing while Needy watches from afar. And his goth friends are being super dramatic and stand up and start like weeping over his coffin are like he's with the angels of the dark realm now Mm -hmm. and are just crying and they're like oh colin wouldn't like this and that's when his poor mother says you're right i'm pretty sure my son wouldn't have liked being eaten by a cannibal and buried before his 18th birthday wow you must have known him so well 
By the time they found Colin in that godforsaken house, he looked like lasagna with teeth. I know, I had to identify his remains. My boy is not in the realm of the undead. He is not flying around on magical wings. He's in an overpriced rosewood box that's headed six feet downtown. So you can take your pain and shove it up your asses, kids. I've got the monopoly on pain. Pretty powerful performance. Yeah. I this I really liked this scene, so I'm shocked that it's like not mm-hmm. in the, I guess, like actual version of the film because it was really intense. And that actress, she gave it all. She yeah. put it all out on the line for that scene. She's like sobbing after this. Mm-hmm. It really hit me. And it is one of those like grounding moments amongst That's all of exactly the- That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. It's a grounding moment amongst all of the dark comedy and satire in this movie to really remind you of like- There are th- murders are, happening. This is real death, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I really loved this scene- if you haven't seen it, like maybe try and find it on YouTube or something, because I thought it was a really nice touch. I need to order like a Jennifer's Body director's cut or something. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to watch this with like uh, cast and director commentary. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Back at school, Needy talks about Colin's memorial assembly and how they were warned about curfews and the buddy system. But by this time, like everyone in Devil's Kettle was over it and they all hoped it would be the last funeral. But Needy says that she knew better and decided to do some personal research. So she goes to the school library, which has a surprisingly robust occult section. (laughs) And she reads about virgin sacrifices to Satan, demons, etc. And she finds out that only a blade to the heart will kill them. When Needy's in the hallway, we hear her voiceover saying that she hasn't spoken to Jen or anyone since their encounter, and that when she looks at Jen, she just sees her mouth dripping with blood. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good shot. Yeah. So Chip then goes up to Needy in like the cafeteria, atria, I don't know, somewhere in the school. And he's like, hey, I got our tickets for the formal. And she's like, I can't go and neither should you. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, are you breaking up with me or something? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, no, no. It's, it's not about you. This is about Jen. And he's like, Needy, I really care about you. And I'm scared because of the way you've been acting lately. So she pulls him aside to the stairs and they sit together. And she says, Jen is evil. As in actually evil, not high school evil. And she pulls out this occult book from the library. <laughs> from the library. Yeah, from the library. And shows him this page on demonic transference. It's what happens when you try and sacrifice a virgin to Satan, but you don't actually use a virgin. Mm-hmm. And she explains that that's what Low Shoulder did. And Jen is feeding on boys. They make her really pretty and glowy. And then when she's hungry, she's weak and cranky and ugly. Like for her, as ugly as <laughs> Jennifer could be. <laughs> and ugly for her. Yeah. So Needy tells him that the dance will be like an all-you-can-eat buffet, but Chip doesn't believe it. I mean, how could you? It's it's pretty tough. Yeah. And Needy's like, this is a nightmare. Chip keeps asking about the dance, and if the, she's going with him, he's like, I ordered a $12 orchid corsage, and she's just like, I don't think it's safe for us to go together right now. 
I'm going to go to the dance, but just to keep an eye on Jennifer, you have to promise me not to go. In this like conversation, it kind of is assumed by Chip that they're like broken up because she says it's not safe mm-hmm. for them to be together right now. Um, yeah. So Chip is like feeling pretty heartbroken. So the night of the dance, uh, Chip is in his room when his mom comes in and brings him a uh, can of pepper spray. Pepper spray. Yeah. Yeah, called uh, Pink Panic. <laughs> These <laughs> just thinking about how like ridiculously like female self defense weapons are marketed. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, his mom says that there's a sicko out there who is clearly after boys. But Chip is like, I can take care of myself. Oh, I use like the the crossbow the the crossbow on the wall over there. The bowflex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been shooting fucking crossbows. <laughs> the bow flex, yes. Um, my brain is broken. Anyways. <laughs> um, it's all the grease lyrics. Yeah. It's it's all the... Ramalamalama, a dingity-dingy-dong, taking up my brain space. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, Chip's mom asks if he's picking up Needy at her house, and he's like, no, no, like, I'm meeting her there which is not true. Mm-hmm. And he then looks at the corsage that he bought and his desktop screensaver, which is pictures of him and Needy. Oh. Meanwhile, people are getting ready for the dance. Some panic at the disco plays. Needy yeah. is in a big time 80s prom dress. Like It's very like Josie Grossy. <laughs> yes. Yes. They yeah. – because this is 2009 and mm-hmm. it's clear like no one else is dressed like this. No. She just looks like so bad. And yeah. Chip's mom is taking pictures of Chip and um, his little sister. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jennifer's also getting ready for the dance, but her hair is falling out and she has eye bags and she rubs, she like puts foundation into her hand. It, and she just rubs it all over her face. It's a really great shot. Yeah. She's like rubbing it on her lips and stuff. It's ooh, mm-hmm. it's good. So we get to the dance. We see Colin's uh, goth friends are like popping balloons. And there's like, there's my hopes and these are my dreams and all sorts of stuff. And we see Needy at the dance. She's getting some punch and just like scanning the crowd, keeping an eye out for Jennifer. I don't think that's in mine either. Really? When Colin's friends are popping the balloons. I'll I'll double check <laughs> on that one, but Yeah. I, I got I got the director's cut apparently. You got like a <laughs> a stolen copy of the film. <laughs> There's also one part where um when they're popping the balloon, she's like abortion, abortion or something like that. It's like- That does not sound familiar <laughs> at all. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I have, but um it's not the film. It's not Jennifer's body. I have a homemade version <laughs> of Jennifer's body. Who was starring in the movie? She's like uh, an unknown. Yeah. Meanwhile, Chip is cutting across the park to get to the school. And in the park, Jennifer catches up with Chip and says that she has to talk to him about Needy. She's really worried about her. So she pulls him into some trees and says that Needy's been really upset since Colin died because they were having an affair. I believe she says that they were porking on a semi-regular basis. basis. Yeah. Porking (laughs) is like the gnarliest term for that. Yeah. 
And Chip doesn't believe this at first, but Jennifer keeps going and she says they were doing stuff he's never even heard of. And she can't believe um, she would mess with his head like this. Jennifer is really laying it on thick. Mm -hmm. She's like, I care about you so much more than I've been brave enough to admit. Also, I think it's really cool how Jennifer is wearing kind of like, it's like a 2009 version of like a Victorian dress. Yeah, it's really like angelic looking almost. It's not, mm. you would think that they would put her in something that was really slim fitting. Some sort of like vixen mm-hmm. like, yeah. Which is a testament to the fact that the movie is not meant to mm-hmm. sexualize her. Because this would be a perfect yeah. opportunity to put her in like a super revealing, like cut out dress or something. Yeah, I thought it was cool like how it was. She had like the gloves and it's like the black and white, the light and dark. Yeah, yeah. really cute. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back at the dance, J.K. Simmons gets back up on stage. <laughs> Love him. He announces that Low Shoulder has taken time out of their sold out national tour to come and play their dance for free. Wow. And boy, do they come out. Adam Brody in his in his little skinny tie very form-fitting suit ready to sing fucking through the trees once again through the, the trees, trees i will follow back outside jen says that needy doesn't deserve a boy like chip and she kisses him mm-hmm. low shoulder keeps playing needy is staring daggers at them Back outside, Jen is straddling Chip on the ground as they make out. Things are getting very intense. And she tells him he's salty and asks him to say she's better than needy. Yeah. Pretty fucking wild. He's like, why? You know, that's weird. And she pulls away before going back in to make out with him. Needy inside at the dance touches her lips and realizes what's going on. She drops her cup and runs out of the dance. And Chip asks Jen if they can go somewhere else. And Jen leads him to this indoor pool that's like at the back of, I am assuming they're on some sort of like school grounds, like field thing. And they go up this hill to the indoor pool. So Needy immediately runs to Chip's house and asks his mom where he is. And she's like, oh, he left like 20 minutes ago for the dance. He's not there yet. And she's like, oh, my God, by himself? Like, what? Where did he go? And she's like, oh, he cut through the park like he always does. And Needy runs after him. I do not remember that. (sighs) Director's cut. (laughs) Bro, when is this? This is when Needy goes to Chip's house. Looking for Chip. I don't think that that happens in mine. (laughs) I think. Oh my God. What movie did I watch? (laughs) So this is what I remember. Um, Needy. Oh wait, maybe. Does she go? Shit. Does she go to his house? Maybe. Okay. Maybe she does go to his house. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to do some fact checking. (laughs) We'll have to do some fact checking for sure. For sure. So Jen leads Chip into the old abandoned pool. It's really gnarly. Things have grown in through the window, like literal trees in this old abandoned pool house. Somehow still water. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but okay, sure. 
Um, so they sit on top of the ledge of the pool and Jennifer's like, I feel so empty. And Chip says, me too. And she asks him to kiss her again. So they kiss, but Chip stops and says he just feels weird about this. Mm -hmm. And Jen throws him in the water and dives in after him, throwing him all over the place. He tries to climb out, but Jen just drags him back in. Then Needy finds her corsage from Chip on the ground in the forest and hears the screams coming from the pool house, so she runs up the hill to him. This girl's been running around town. She's a runner. She's a track star. She's on my kid working with <laughs> So Needy makes it into the pool house and she sees Jen and Chip in the water. Jen is fully like feeding on Chip. Yeah, she's nibbling. Yeah, she's just having a little snack. And she prays – oh, God, what does she say? She prays for, like, the strength to, like, like rip this bitch apart or something like that. I can't remember what she says, but she has, like, a, a quippy little prayer and then um, jumps in the water and starts tackling Jennifer. So Jennifer goes under the water and they lose sight of her for a moment when she, like, suddenly swims, like, really quickly up to them. Actually, it reminded me of Aquamarine when Aqua, like – swims through the pool like really quickly towards them oh yeah yeah and that's when needy gets the pepper spray from chip and sprays jennifer she does scream but like recovers very quickly and ends up puking all over them before levitating out of the water i don't know if i mentioned this before but apparently the puke it was um Mm -hmm. they did a lot of practicals for this movie which i think is really cool and uh it was chocolate syrup that's what they used before they filled it out with cgi clever yeah sometimes it's that simple exactly so as jennifer is like levitating out of the pool chip's like she can fly and needy's like no she's just hovering don't be that impressed (laughs) yeah and jennifer's like god needy why do you always have to undermine me you're such a player hater and uh jennifer meets up with needy like on the on the edge of the pool and needy says you're a jerk. And Jennifer goes, wow, nice insult, Hannah Montana. Great line. (laughs) Yeah. Needy tells her that she was never a good friend, even when they were kids. And Jen says, at least I'm consistent. Then Needy is like, why do you need Chip? You could have anyone. It's just because you're insecure. And Jen is like, I'm not insecure. I was the snowflake queen. And Needy's like, yeah. Two years ago, when you were socially relevant and didn't need laxatives to stay skinny. Oh. Oh. And Jennifer's like, I am going to eat your soul and shed it out. And Needy says, I thought you only murdered boys. And Jennifer says, I go both ways. We stand a bisexual queen. There are so many. It's like confirmation of the clues that have been left Mm -hmm. for us throughout the film. But as she says this, Chip manages to stab Jennifer with a pole before he collapses. Jennifer pulls out this pole and asks Needy for a tampon. And she's like, (laughs) no. And she's like, thought I'd ask. You seemed like you might be (laughs) plug-in. Yeah. And then she leaves. She said, got a blast. (laughs) So that's when Needy rushes to Chip and kneels over him, and he apologizes for not believing her. 
She tries to call for help, but obviously his phone is broken. Yeah. It was in the water. And she's panicking, but Chip just kind of like tries to calm her down. He's very at peace. Yeah, very much so. He tells Needy that he thinks he already died before she got there, but he woke up when he heard her voice. Aww. And Needy is, you know, devastated. She tells Chip that she loves him. He says that he loves her and that she looked really hot in that dress. <laughs> and <laughs> she she's like, <laughs> yeah. And she's like, you're delirious. He's like, no, I'm not. And then the light fades. Chip dies. Needy screams. I'm just glancing at the original script and I see that Needy tries to call for help. Chip is like, oh no, I'm out of minutes. And she's like, I think 911 is always a free call. And he's like, oh yeah, you're right. But the phone is like clogged with the black bile. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's some wow. some things in the script where I'm like, good thing you made those edits. But yeah. I think the satire in this movie is just so well done. It's it's so funny. Oh yeah. Like every For serious sure. moment is like marked with the air of something like incredibly stupid like an incredibly stupid reason why it's not happening diablo cody does a really good job of building that tension and then being able to undercut it a little bit exactly so you feel somewhat at ease before the next thing happens Mm -hmm. so needy goes back home she lays in her bed still covered in jen's vomit and looks at pictures of her and chip and pictures of her and jen and decides to put on new clothes and gets ready to leave meanwhile jennifer is in her bed watching TV and circling guys in her yearbook, you know, who's she going to eat next? <laughs> and this is clearly like the first scene of the of the film when we see like Jennifer lying in her bed. Yes, yes. She turns out the light to go to sleep when Needy crashes through her window. So Needy attacks Jen and like sits on top of her on her bed and starts like screaming at her for killing Chip. And that's when Jen bites Needy's shoulder – and Needy pulls out like a box cutter and she's about to stab Jen when Jennifer like grabs her arm and stops her and says, do you buy all your murder weapons at Home Depot? God, you're butch. Yeah. And um, that's when Needy says, cross out Jennifer and like does the X on her stomach. Pretty good. So they kind of like stare at each other for a moment before Jennifer starts levitating. So they're like, fighting in the air jennifer flips her over but then needy flips them back over and we watch in slow motion as needy rips jennifer's bff necklace off her neck and throws it to the ground and like i i don't know if we were on mic when we were talking about this i think it might have been before we started recording Mm -hmm. but that moment is like the biggest moment of betrayal i don't know if betrayal is the right word but like the biggest, most devastating moment between Needy and Jennifer. Yeah, definitely. More devastating than like what is about to happen next because the the ending of that friendship is a stronger ending than either of their deaths because Jennifer has always already died once and that's not nearly as devastating as this is to her. Isn't it interesting how as a succubus she needed to eat these boys to like remain beautiful, but actually mm-hmm. she was also – still feeding off of needy in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And bef- I guess before, even, before more so, she was feeding off of needy. Yeah. Like needy was her, her person, her sidekick. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting look at uh, parasitic relationships. Mm-hmm. 
But once this BFF necklace crashes to the ground, Jennifer and Needy slow motion fall back onto the bed. Needy lands on top of her and stabs her in the heart. Yes. Jennifer says, my tit. (laughs) And Needy says, no, your heart. Jennifer dies. And that's when her mom comes in and turns on the light. Oh, my gosh. And sees Needy pull the exacto knife out of her daughter's chest. Pretty fucking <sighs> wild. Yeah. And there's also, like, the moment when Jennifer dies, um, Amanda Seyfried's face journey is, like, incredible. We see, like, the realization, the shock, the regret, the horror, the relief, all of it happen in like five seconds or so so needy rolls off of jen while jennifer's mother is crying and holding her dead daughter yeah woof Mm -hmm. cut back to jail needy's in solitary confinement and she thinks about how she doesn't even know who needy uh nikki is anymore but she says sometimes change can be good and tells us that most occult scholars don't know this, but if you get bit by a demon and survive, you can have special powers. And we like zoom out to see her levitating in solitary. And um, she's levitating high enough that she can actually look through the window in solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. And you know what she does? She fucking busts that window open with a powerful kick. Yep. She's been practicing. Mm-hmm. And she makes it out. It does make me wonder why she waited this long before escaping. Maybe she had to get thrown into solitary confinement. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. I guess. So we see Needy walking down the road. She's escaped from this prison. That's when she comes across this little end of like a stream. Mm-hmm. And we see the the little balls that the scientists had thrown into um, the waterfall to see where they ended up. And we see Nikolai's knife that he mm-hmm. tossed into the falls as well. So she picks up that knife and she ends up hitchhiking and grabbing a ride with this like old man. And she says that she's heading east. She's following a rock band. And tonight is their last show. Ooh. Mm. And the last thing we see is this incredible montage of low shoulder mm. Um, it's kind of like if they had like a documentary, little like clips and pictures of their fans waiting for them. They're just drinking, doing drugs and being assholes in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, they hear the door and they kick the cameras out. They're like, oh, get out of here. And then we see a montage of pictures from a crime scene. Oof. It's carnage from the band. We can see like blood on the walls, their dead bodies. Mm-hmm. The very final shot is a group of fans wandering through the hallway being like, oh, like low shoulders here. They're here. Yeah. And then in the opposite direction, we see Needy walking away from low shoulders hotel room. And we hear the girls scream. And that is Jennifer's body. I really liked it. I thought it hit a lot of like nails on the head and being like light, but spooky. Like it was creepy. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I thought it, I like personally, I'm really interested in female friendship. I used to try to do a podcast mm-hmm. with my friend about it because I feel like in society, we give so much credence to like romantic relationships and talking about how to solve mm-hmm. those problems and working through those dynamics. And meanwhile, like free female friendship, is like so complex and there's so many different variations and it's harder to talk about and easier to suppress. And so I like that this, I like this to me, it was so clearly a movie for women because the central focus was the women's friendship. And I, I like mm-hmm. loved that scene when they're fighting over Chip in the pool area. Yeah. Yeah. And it so clearly has nothing to do with Chip. He's just like a token. He's just a symbol because mm-hmm. ultimately what they wanted to do was like hurt each other or what yeah. Jennifer wanted to do was hurt each other. Yeah. Watching it being older, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm getting all the references I didn't get when I was younger. And like the little like emotional dynamic between Needy and Jennifer Yeah, I think it was like a really strongly written movie. I think the script is fantastic. And like Mean Girls, it also has those like quotable things that we found out when we did our Mean Girls episode were only made for the film. Like a lot of the references Mm -hmm. that she makes or like little like phrases they come up with are really unique to it. So it does make it feel like very timeless because the words aren't attached to a specific time period. But yeah, I really like the characters like Colin being like a goth kid. I feel like they took a lot of like tropes, but they made them interesting when it's like, Oh, the goth kid is like in the room with a succubus and he's like freaked out. Like Mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's, it's a much better movie than it was. It was given credit for in 2009. I'm really happy that people are, starting to like myself included starting to really appreciate um mm-hmm. the artistry of this movie because it is so well crafted and yeah it, it does feel very much akin to a movie like heathers or mean girls that really kind of dives into the complexities of female female friendships and the darkness that can exist there and you know like externalizing it through like the the violence and like the kind of demon blood sucking mm-hmm. elements i think really shows how female friendships can be very parasitic and um also because female friendships are so intimate in a way that you don't really see with a lot of men because a lot of women just tend to be more emotionally vulnerable with each other. Yeah. I think kind of like seeing the the blurring of the lines between platonic love and romantic love was super interesting and I don't feel like I've really seen it explored in this way in other movies. Yeah, I like the way that she looked at the complexity of who was actually in charge in their friendship that mm-hmm. obviously it's put forth as there's a clear alpha and it's Jennifer and then Needy's name is literally Needy but at the end mm. of the day, Jennifer is the needy one. Jennifer is the one who can't go anywhere without needy leaving her boyfriend Chip to come hang out. Jennifer's the one who literally needs other people's life yeah. sources to keep her going. And ultimately, Jen- uh, needy kills Jennifer. Like she was the more powerful mm. one. And like I think like the pool scene talking about the you have to look cute but not cuter than me. Mm-hmm. It, when she says, "Why would I be jealous of you?" I do think that gets to a central like truth about female friendships, especially in high school, where even if somebody ostensibly has it all, they can only have it all in relation to another person. And in that sense, they're like bound to them symbiotically and they are jealous. And I do think it it got at that. Like, if you're not jealous of me, why are you killing my boyfriend? And only Colin after Needy says Mm -hmm. he's a good guy. But you can only exist by like constantly showing that you have power. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it can't exist in a vacuum. It has to exist by always being proven. And I think it gets at that well. Yeah. I mean, like a, a standout moment that 
for me that really hits that is in the in the pool scene after Needy's like you're so like goddamn insecure or whatever and the look on Jennifer's face I think it's like a really great acting moment for Megan Fox you kind of see that whole journey happen mm-hmm. and she like immediately covers it up but yeah the the dynamic between the two is fascinating like I could talk about it forever yeah. but yeah I, I really I'm really glad that I have watched it now and especially like you said like watching it older Mm -hmm. I feel like you get a lot more from it than I would have gotten if I watched it when I was like 13 oh yeah I made my I watched this like several times I made my boyfriend watch it because he had never seen it I made like my other friend watch it and they were all like oh my god I love this movie and I'm like yes I need more people on like the Jennifer's (laughs) body train I I also do think it's like interesting that it's like no women can come out and top in this like patriarchal society where everyone is like mm-hmm. reduced to a sexual like object mm-hmm. because Jennifer and Needy are like opposites on the spectrum. I think Needy's supposed to be a virgin at the beginning, right? Like she's losing her. It's, I can't tell she's supposed to be losing her virginity that day. It feels very first timey, but also the way he says yeah. he bought condom. But she's obviously much more conservative and covered up. Yeah. And then Jennifer is like not even a backdoor virgin. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like, they did that to Jennifer. Like they turned her into that demon Mm -hmm. and then she still has to be murdered. Like she's still technically the villain of the film. She's the person who has to be Mm -hmm. defeated, even though somebody else did that to her. And then needy who steps up to save everybody. She's now the savior. She's still the, like every woman is the villain, even though Mm -hmm. they didn't start any of it. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I, I know that they had planned before it came out and before critics like tore it apart. They had, talked about potential sequels which i thought would have been yes. so cool like i want to know what happens to needy after, after she, she murders, them. murders low shoulder like i would love to see the progression of that story maybe it'll get one i mean they did that with the comeback with um lisa kudrow's show on hbo it was like so yeah. ahead of its time that they did the sequel mm-hmm. 10 years later mm-hmm. yeah i would love to see especially since megan fox is all the rage currently <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has read the GQ article about her and Machine Gun Kelly, but... Oh my gosh, you yeah. smell like weed. <laughs> I, I am weed. weed. Yeah, I, I highly recommend checking out Jennifer's Body if you have not yet. It's a great watch. Mm-hmm. I guess on that note, should we rate it? Yeah. What would you guys rate the movie? I'm going to give it a 7.5. I feel like it's so fun when you're watching it. It's, it fills exactly the niche it's supposed to fill where it's like... Mm-hmm. It's heavier than a, it's not heavier than a rom com, but it's a little mm-hmm. it's exciting and it's a bit spookier and you're enjoying it. It's tight, it's quick, you have fun. I don't know that I'm thinking about it every day. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I don't know that in my life I'm being stopped by it. I think I'm gonna give it like a solid eight. Very rewatchable. I will definitely be adding it to my Halloween rotation yeah. for sure. But I think also you, you could watch this movie even when it's not spooky season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just really enjoyable, really tight, really well crafted and yeah, I recommend. I'm going to give it an 8.5. Um, Got to give an extra half point for the nostalgia factor because I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I agree with what you said. It's just really well crafted. I think the writing and direction play with each other very well. I think that like mm-hmm. it was directed a, a great job directing for the specific script. Like They clearly shared the same mm-hmm. vision for what they wanted. And very underrated Megan Fox performance. She is a good actress. Yeah. She they're both really good in this. She mm-hmm. plays that character perfectly. There's not a moment where you feel it's like contrived or inauthentic. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I would say above all, the interplay between the characters of Needy and Jennifer, that's where the movie is. That's mm-hmm. the where the plot is actually that's what the plot is 
lies in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just makes me sad to think that people think of this movie as some sort of like sexual exploitation of um, mm-hmm. Megan Fox when it's actually a great performance from Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox Yeah, kind of like emulating a female friendship in this toxic um, like demonic allegory. Yeah, I think it's um, it's so wild that by literally the marketing, a lot of people thought that it was going to be this very like anti-feminist, like hypersexualization movie when it's really quite the opposite. I didn't realize there was a female writer and director. Mm. Like I just never looked into it. Yeah. Like even looking at the posters for the movie, I'm just like, oh my God, I cannot believe that this is the direction that they went in. Yeah. It's it's pretty insane to me. But yeah, I, I think that it's really cool that it's on like Criterion Channel because that yeah. is not something you would have thought of like back in the day. Like, people pay – I don't know how much a Criterion subscription is. It's my boyfriend's. But I'm like, people are paying to watch this. So I hope that she's – they're all raking in cash mm-hmm. from it. It's a great yeah. movie. For sure, for sure. If you are in Canada, you can rent it on Amazon Prime. And obviously in the U.S., you can watch it on Criterion Channel. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Claire. It was so fun to have you on the pod. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I'm so happy I finally had a reason to watch Jennifer's Body. You guys have done a real mitzvah for me. (laughs) God bless. Uh, Could you tell our lovely listeners where they can find you, where they can follow you? My podcast is Celebrity Memoir Book Club. And then on Instagram, I'm Claire the Scare. Awesome. And you can also follow us on social media at... Movies that raised us pod on TikTok. You can send us an email at movies that raised us at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at movies that raised us, and you can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. Don't forget, as always, to rate, review, subscribe, and we will see you next week for our final Spooktober movie. How is it already the end of October? So sad. It's insane. But yeah, we'll see you next week. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.